RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site, Warp and Wolf Radio, Comenius Institute, up in the house. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, trying to bring you the most comprehensive message and uh, putting wisdom and knowledge together so it's palatable. For our young people especially. <laughs> Dr. Mark, how are you, sir? Doing real well, thank you. We're moving on to spring, aren't we? It's Absolutely. looking good out there. I mean, you know, and, and for those folks who are still complaining about how cold <laughs> it is today, just remember back about a week ago, two weeks ago, or really this whole winter, and mm-hmm. thank God for this wonderful winter we've had yeah. here, uh, in the city of Indianapolis, state of Indiana. Uh, today, Dr. Mark, special show today. We're talking the state of education all month long here on mm-hmm. TV. so thank you for using Comenius Institute, yep. Warp and Wolf Radio, to continue to feed this message uh, in the house today. Introduce our guest, man. Oh, man. We got Alfred Weems and Clifford Payne in the house today. Really grateful for these guys who are veterans, uh, served uh, the country uh, for us, for which we are grateful. But we want to talk with them uh, in these couple of hours about the issue of education as it relates to veterans. And then, of course, as we always do, relate these kinds of concepts through a biblical lens to understand education from a Christian point of view. That's the whole point behind Cominius, Warp and Woof, the vertical horizontal threads that make fabric under which we find ourselves under the lordship of Jesus, Colossians 1.17, because we are all Christian men up here. And today we're going to do Titus 3 up in here. We're going to do good, do good, do good. Yes, How we you are. like that, Big Yo, Daddy? Look at you. So like we do each and every week, we're going to start you off with some beautiful, uh, just some beautiful music, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Clifford Payne, Alfred Weems III, Harold H.B. Bell, Dr. Mark Echo, right here on Warp and Wolf Radio at the Cool Groove site. Stay tuned. Radio Next TV on the Cool Cruise. <laughs> I love this show. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell. Some of the stuff I'm telling you, we're going to have to get the video in here because some and most of the entertainment that goes on between the the musical breaks are. Uh, whew, let me Isn't that you. the truth? If boy. we put that on, Ma Echo, you'd be calling and giving your son a good old lashing out to him. We love you, Ma, uh, knowing that you're on the air. Uh, today we do have special guests in the studio and we're you know really concentrating on education and today we're talking about education and our veterans uh, the, the the reason why we are a country a great country and have this safe place to live is because of the veterans who have gone on uh, not only in World War one World War two uh, the Korean War Vietnam War and you know all the service uh, that these brothers and sisters have uh, done uh, sometimes goes unnoticed sometimes get, is neglected. Um, with the providers who should be taken care of, mm-hmm. our veterans Absolutely. who have gone and served and paved this way. So, Dr. Mark, uh, yeah, let's, our guest well, yeah, himself. let's introduce let's introduce our guests here first. Uh, Alfred Weems III, if you would give us a word, and then Clifford uh, Pine, would you go ahead and, and do that as well, so that folks know who's sitting at the table today. My name is Alfred Weems III. I'm um, a native of Hammond, Indiana, and a veteran of the United States Army. I usually say that's the only only branch of the military that really counts anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, here we go. I was uh, 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Um, ended up uh, in Pusan, Korea for 17 months. Um, and uh, my path, uh, and I know we'll talk about it in a little bit, my path about education is a little bit different uh, than probably some others, but uh, that's a. I, I, I'm a pastor, businessman, business owner, entrepreneur. Uh, so that's a little. That's just a brief uh, about myself. That's good. Thank you, Dr. Mark Echo, and HB for having me today. I'm Cliff Payne, host of Voices for Veterans, airing 
each Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, Reserves, <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Voices for Veterans, check me out. Uh, I am a veteran of the United States Army, just Ooh, like Pastor hoorah. Weems. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard the Army get this much love. <laughs> uh, I served uh, three years active, uh, and uh, I uh, went to Germany, which was a, a very good experience for me. Um, my MOS was 72 Echo, which is a telecommunications center operator. Big title, easy job. And um, came home and transitioned to uh, post-secondary education through some of the programs that the Veterans Administration offered. And uh, I'm glad to be here to talk about the opportunities for our veterans and their families. Mm. Well, we're definitely glad to have you gentlemen. And uh, as I've su suggested and said to you both uh, separately and, and uh, elsewhere uh, in this place, uh, we're grateful for your service. Thank you for serving the country and for uh, standing behind the red, white, and blue. We're grateful for that. Uh, our right. today, our emphasis today is on what not only what you have done, but who you are, and specifically who you are now as veterans with going forward with education. So one of the very first questions that that we want to address is the issue of what is education uh, from your vantage point. From my vantage point in 30 plus years of teaching everybody from junior high through PhD students, I would summarize it in one word, which is ownership. I want folks to own whatever it is that they believe. I'm not trying to convince you of something, uh, trying to twist anybody's arm. From your vantage point, you guys, how do you view education? It's kind of a, a broad question. I think um, for me, education is really not only the giving or receiving of some instruction or information or you know receiving knowledge and information, um, and then I think part of education as well is uh, the practical application of how to use and know, use what you know. Mm. Uh, it doesn't do you any good just to know if you don't know when to use it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that um, education is vital. Uh, I like what you said about ownership because we definitely have to own that. And I think that we could really do a greater job, um, you know, using the military, using the armed forces as a way of um, people, young people especially, getting educated. And there, there are some things that, um, that that they could take advantage of mm -hmm. that really we don't take advantage of mm -hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah, but. absolutely. Cliff? Well, I think education in our society is a way up and a way out. Mm. When you have an education, there are a lot more opportunities available for you in this society as far as employment um, and uh, as far as your financial capabilities, wherewithal, you have more opportunities to to have economic power through education. Mm. So I think education is a tool that you can use in our society to, to help you uh, reach your goals financially, socially, uh, economically, um, and, and prosper. Because uh, we see it on TV all the time, the commercials where a high school uh, diploma can earn you so much, but when you get that college degree, you can earn, what, twenty or 30000 more over a lifetime. So mm. I think it's definitely a tool to use mm. 
This is uh, something that we talked about uh, going into the program off air. You had mentioned uh, actually a, a reference from Hosea chapter 4 uh, where you talked about my people die for a lack of knowledge. And this whole concept that uh, from a Christian point of view, uh, folks really have a need for a deep understanding of what Scripture is all about. How would you guys say uh, that impacts how you think about education from a Christian vantage point, understanding that God's knowledge is the basis for all other knowledge? How do you think about that differently than, say, for instance, somebody else who's not a Christian might think of it? I know for me, um, even even when I tutor people, um, and I like to tutor in algebra, algebra is a favorite subject of mine, when, when I'm tutoring in algebra, uh, I like to teach people not only the mathematical application, but I see God in the equation as well, and I try to give them a life application. So that I think God being the basis of all things, <clears throat> um, a lot of times I say, like, you know, um, you can have any equation, Y equal MX plus B, uh, which is an internet slope, I mean, inter intersect slope for um, algebra. Um, when you always solve them for X, uh, oftentimes we don't realize that the unknown can represent God in that respect because mm. when God steps in, he begins to bring that solution to that equation mm. uh, of life. And so sometimes when you got a kid or an adult who's sitting there struggling with algebra, but you can have the light bulb to go off with life or with God, they see it mathematically as well, and sometimes it creates a spark there for them. Mm. Um, so that's that's what I like to try to bring, and I think that's why education, although formal education is great, uh, sometimes I think that God can take some life application to people who are just receptive to hearing and receiving and can illuminate their minds, and they can they can come up and come out as well, as Cliff said. There you go. HB? Man, you know, I, that's right where I was going. And uh, basically, you know, education, uh, I think, is a, everybody has a level of something that they're connected to, their mind is connected to, uh, no matter how little, how great. And I think effective education is how do you uh, – connect something that you're w wishing mm -hmm. the individual to go much like we were talking off air about scripture mm -hmm. have a lot of people who profess to be christians but they don't read their bible exactly so they're lacking in the education of the bible and the scripture but that does not mean that we can't connect something in their life to get mm -hmm. them to understand what that scripture means and parlay it into educating them now further mm -hmm. uh in in biblical teaching and, and this so, is the whole point of Warp and Woof. So point of Warp and Woof, how do we intertwine that mm -hmm. wisdom and that knowledge? And so, you know, if I could just, just put education in the definition of can, it would be how do we take what somebody already knows and connect it mm -hmm. to, to what they know to expand and build uh, no matter what door or closet they have to go into. We can yeah. start connecting right. something that they know right. to what's in that door, that closet that mm -hmm. they're going into because, as you know, uh, being Dr. Mark Echo, there's a Dr. Mark Echo, there's a husband Mark Echo, mm -hmm. there's a grandpa Mark Echo, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a movie lover Mark mm -hmm. Echo. Every time you go into one of those boxes, a different education level takes place mm -hmm. of what Dr. Mark <laughs> has yeah. to know, needs to know to effectively transfer information right. in that box. So. In, each, in each one of these cases, and everybody that we invite to the show, uh, first of all, we invite Christian folk mm -hmm. who are uh, doing good in the neighborhood, as HB as well suggested early on. Uh, but that's what I'm always interested in, is what are you presently doing? What mm -hmm. are you presently engaged with from a Christian point of view that it's, that's doing good uh, for other folks? So Cliff, from your vantage point, you had uh, actually brought uh, 
a brochure here today called Veterans Upward Bound. Tell us yes. a little bit about this and about why that, for you as a Christian, matters so much and what kind of connections it makes for folks in the community. Well, uh, back to your earlier question uh, about what education, the, the how does education and the connection to God uh, have an effect on us? Uh, it's, it's, it's like a child that's just learn how to tie their shoes you can see that light bulb go off in their head mm-hmm. because they've gained a little bit more wisdom or knowledge or know-how mm-hmm. uh, I think that education uh, is, is 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 part of God's wisdom yeah um, he uh, says in, in, in the Bible the scriptures say that uh, to gain wisdom is, is a a great thing mm-hmm. it's it's a, a crown on your head mm-hmm. and solomon prayed for wisdom mm. so god's wisdom and education go hand in hand and when you're a veteran transitioning from military service to civilian life you still need to have uh, a pathway up and out and mm-hmm. i think that going th- to programs like veterans upward bound uh can definitely help you I myself am a product of Veterans Upward Mound, and um, it's a great program. It's available for veterans that have served at least 180 days active um, and have a other than dishonorable discharge. Uh, they can help you uh, get get post secondary ready, and what I mean by that, they can tutor you in math. Um, they can tutor you. Uh, in any subject that you're weak in, plus you get a little stipend uh, just for attending the classes. Mm. Um, they have a great staff there mm. that will help you. And uh, the reason I bought this pamphlet in is because um, they are a tremendous organization, and I hope to have them on my show, Voices for Veterans, in the very near future to discuss uh, the programs and, and uh their services mm. and tell us when your program airs so everybody knows when that is uh each friday from 2 p.m to 4 p.m it's called v- voices for veterans very good yeah we're glad for you guys to be on the air along with us uh, certainly part of the uh, cool groove site at radio next under hb's umbrella oh my god <laughs> that's so funny when i hear that stuff i'm just an arc builder man i know they laugh at me out here building this ark in the middle of the desert. But before we go to break, uh, Dr. Mark, education to you. Yeah, education to me is all about ownership. Uh, My view of how I think about getting students to a certain place isn't that I want them to, let's say, for instance, complete A, B, and C, but I want them to understand A, B, and C and understand what it is that they're thinking about. So if I were to metaphor this, I would say I'm a hardware store owner that's passing out tools. And my uh, tools are different from other people's tools, but essentially I'm trying to get you to think and think biblically. And if there's a 32-piece toolkit, quit <laughs> using just two of them. <laughs> Find out what those other 30 tools are in your kit. We're going to take a short break and come back. We are talking education. If you choose to uh, offer some input or have some uh, 
suggestions on what you think education is, you can go out there to Mark Echo, Warping Wolf Radio. You can go out there to Harold H.B. Bell, Clifford Payne, or Alpha Williams III. Pose the question, we'll answer it right here. You are listening to Warping Wolf Radio on the cool. RadioNext.tv, Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell in the house with our special guest, Clifford Payne, representing the veterans, and Alfred Williams III. Um, we're not going to even mention that he's a pastor. He doesn't want us to talk about it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know HB just going to do some unorthodox stuff, but uh-huh. we are uh, celebrating the month of education here at RadioNext.tv. So, Mark... Thank you for taking Warp and Wolf Radio and inviting uh, these two brothers who are, you know, veterans, uh, who have sure, gone out, served our country, and now we're trying to implement educational programming uh, to those veterans who have come back. Because to be truthful, before we get back in this segment, I've sat here and I had the opportunity over the last six years to listen to different veteran programs that are available and the way that these great warriors who have gone out and protected our country have been treated. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm appalled at, at how yep. we could take the key people, the frontline people, Yep. Uh, when we talk about uh, America the beautiful and, mm-hmm. you know, let's honor this flag and all that, mm-hmm. and then those people get mistreated the way they do That's in, right. the, in the name of job security, in the name of housing, in the mm-hmm. name of benefits that should be given to them rightfully, yeah. uh, trying to take them away. Uh, it's amazing and appalling at the same time mm-hmm. uh, that, that we treat our veterans like that. So thank you for, you know, taking this time of Absolutely. your format uh, to lend to that. I'm letting you do your thing. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we, I wanted to add to that list uh, Veterans Administration and the, the kinds of changes that need to take place, especially in uh, the hospitalization and care, physical care of our veterans as well. That's another hot-button issue and certainly should be at a highest priority for our nation. But coming back to the issue of education, gentlemen, again, thank you for your presence here with us. I wanted to address in this next segment – Uh, who you view or who you've seen, and you can take this in any direction that you want to go, but who have you seen as the best educators in your lifetime from your vantage point? How would you address a particular issue? For me particularly, I would have to say uh, those who were willing to make mistakes. Oh. Uh, Because I think that, um, you know, it's one thing that, you know, you, you you can gain book knowledge, but there's nothing like the life experiences of going through making mistakes and then profiting from those mistakes. And if, even if nothing else, outside looking in, I can profit from somebody else's mistakes myself. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons for me uh, in, in business, for instance, or just say even with taxes or even as a pastor, I, I usually try to seize it as an opportunity to share mm-hmm. life's experiences, my mistakes, my mishaps, my uh, missteps. Um, to try to help share with them so that they don't have to do the same thing. Mm. They don't have to make the same mistakes. So I think all of us, in a sense, are educators. It's just being willing to share where we've, where we've gone wrong and try to help somebody else mm. uh, not, not go down that same path. Uh, mm. When I'm sitting down with a tax client, I have their undivided attention. I know ultimately they want to get to the climax and know how much they're getting back or That's how much right. they're going to have to pay yeah. or how little they have to pay. But while I have their attention, I, I talk about God. I'm talking about life insurance, mm-hmm. which I'm an agent. I talk about uh, education. I talk about investments. I talk about starting a business. I, I try to find out what their passion is. Mm-hmm. So by the time we've got, by the time they get up, I mean we we've covered a plethora of different topic areas. But ultimately, I just really want to get them to start thinking mm-hmm. uh, because um, you know education is so key. And I think uh, even as we're sitting here, Proverbs chapter thirty. 
really one of my favorite passages is that there be four things that be small but exceedingly wise. Mm. Uh, the ant, the locust, the, the grass, the, um, the uh, coney, uh, the spider, one says a lizard. Uh, they're so small, but they're exceedingly wise. And I think one thing, sometimes people make, uh, cause those two words, uh, wisdom and knowledge, to be synonymous. Knowledge you can get from a book. But to me, wisdom comes from God. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I look at those four, it's like, man, what is it about an ant mm. that just makes him so wise? But he's, he's busy. He's working. He's productive during the summer so that during the winter, <laughs> he ain't got to work. Mm-hmm. That, that for me, in, my, in, in this field, in, in, the, in tax season, I work as hard as I do during tax season. So during the summer, if I don't want to work, I don't have to work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, it's just understanding the wisdom that I can glean from them. What, what makes it uh, with a coney, for instance. Many, many people don't know about a coney, but a coney kind of looks like a rabbit and looks like a little bit of a hamster. But it, 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 its weakness is its hind legs. And mm-hmm. if it's out and, out and about, easy prey. Mm-hmm. But a coney understands that if I can get in the cleft of a rock, I'm safe and secure. So when I when I see areas of weakness in my life, I can get into a position on a solid foundation, which is the Word of God, and just stay there. I don't have to. I, I can just stand still for the most mm-hmm. part. Uh, when I when I, I I love the one about the locusts because I really thought, and, and and I read something that I thought locusts could fly until I learned that they they listen for the sound of the wind mm. and they leap. And they're carried away with the wind. And we think about how locusts do so much devastation to crops and things like that. Well, the real, the reality for me is sometimes even when I'm thinking about business decisions, uh, I, I usually say this to people, opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. <laughs> so if you don't leap at the right moment, mm. you'll miss that opportunity. Mm. It, it's gone by. You, you may not ever get it again. But when you're, when you're sensitive to, to God and to his spirit and to his leading, you leap at the right moment, man, things will just flourish. I mean, mm. just before you know, blessings are literally overtaking you. Then then, then I look at the uh, the spider, for instance, because a lot of people don't like, a lot of women specifically don't like spiders. But what it is said in that passage is that the spider will end up in the king's palace. Mm-hmm. So it means that even the ugly areas of my life, no matter how ugly, and all of us have some ugly areas of our lives, things that... We thank God we're ex. All four of us here, we're ex men. <laughs> we're we're ex something, mm-hmm. and and so God would take the ugly area of our lives, and we can end up in places we don't even deserve to be. Mm. And so God would take my financial mess ups because I I don't have a problem now sharing with people, especially after get out of the military, that I didn't have good money management skills. That I thought if I had a check, I could just keep on writing checks, you know, and, and got in trouble because I was writing bad checks. Mm. You know, but but God will take the ugly areas of our lives and then use them uh, to, to, to be profitable to other people to share with them. Hey, don't go down this path. Don't mm-hmm. do this. And that's one of the things I even I share with some other recruiters and some other veterans. I say, man, coming out of the military crippled us mm-hmm. because we could do everything on an allotment. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. It was already taken out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all my bills were taken out of my check. And so when I got my money. I could blow it. I could spend it because all my bills were paid. My car mm-hmm. note, everything was taken out. When I got out and I went to my, get my job, I still had the mentality: whatever I made, I could spend. I could blow mm-hmm. it. Man, that was the biggest rude awakening for me because mm-hmm. I'm I'm blowing money that I need to pay bills, mm-hmm. and and so it just left us crippled to some degree. So I think there has to be some greater sense of education on a, on a different scale for not only veterans but for all of us to be able to benefit mm-hmm. from life. You know your comments about mistakes and and uh, so on folks that are uh, 
not learning from their mistakes, and certainly what Scripture teaches us, uh, reminds me of what I tell students all the time. Man, I am grateful that God's Word is not being written today, because my <laughs> name might be in that book. You know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. I mean, I look back at David going, man, I bet David just wishes he his name wasn't in there sometimes, you know? So when I think about that, you know, I, I think, yeah. yeah, who should I be learning from? Right. I should be going back to the Scriptures, just yeah. as you well suggest. Yeah. Clifford, what do you, uh, from your vantage point, you know, how are you thinking about these things in terms of educators who have made a difference in your life, or just the general idea of who are the best educators you've seen? Well, education is multifaceted. You have your formal education that you can get in an institution, school, college. You have your street education also known as a street degree. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, uh, I think education and training from your parents Mm. is is imperative. The Bible speaks of training a child in the way that he should go and he won't depart from it. Uh, For me, your education and training by your parents in the home is 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 the best uh, example of how you should carry yourself, mm. your do's and don'ts. Mm. For example, my uh, education as a toddler and a young kid was don't interrupt grown folks while they're talking. Mm. You know, it, it was just uh, I was a talkative kid, but that training and education on how to socialize when you're around adults and show them respect uh, is something that I think has stuck with me. H.B., mm. mm. you look like you want to jump in here. Uh, well, yeah, because, uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple of models that I think have been, um, as far as education goes, and that's you know, goes back to where we're talking, reaching out to find out where someone is, what you need to teach them. And I, I was fortunate the first seven years of my life to, to be around my grandmother every day, and she was one of the most adamant, Christians. I'm talking mm. about everything she did was from a Christian viewpoint, mm. whether it was giving to someone, whether it was explaining and loving us as her children and grandchildren. So watching her model of how to, to let, me, let, me, let me just stand strong through the storm. You know, mm-hmm. when Scripture always talking about, at least she not faint. Mm-hmm. And I watched so many times my grandmother should have and could have fainted and most people mm. would have fainted and mm. watched her be so strong through some of the struggles and, and trials that was presented yeah. but then always watched on the other side of that this this ele- just just beautiful sunrise shine every time that she went through a storm and she used to tell me that mm. don't worry about the storm John because did you ever notice how bright the sun is <laughs> after the rain and wow. it's the truth. And then when you watch the rain, it can be mm. hazy and stuff out there. And then if the rain comes, there's something about that sunlight mm. and that clarity. After all that dust gets kicked out the air, that is just brighter than it was before the storm came. Mm. So learning how to make the storm your friend, kind of, yeah. has taught me how to persevere. And then uh, my football coach, Mr. George Brown. <laughs> This cat's still kicking, 94 mm. years old, mm. still kicking. But he, he reached me when I was about 16 15 years old, saw the kind of guy I was and knew I can get in him a little bit harder mm-hmm. than I can everybody else because he can endure more 
mm. because of that storm thing. So yeah. he used to ride me, ride me, and everybody, man, I don't know why Coach talked. And I used to take it as that's his love language for me, mm-hmm. just for me. And so I was so stupid that I'm like, you can get me, Coach, but I know you're talking mm. to me specifically mm. because you see something in me I don't see in me because mm. I did not have a father growing up. Yeah. And he saw some things in me that said, if I put this little extra grit, this little extra tough in him, mm-hmm. he's going to be tougher later on. And, and those two models have, have taught me. Now, the adverse effect is you can't do that to the people that you go to educate. Mm-hmm. And I had a tendency early on to want to be who my teachers were. Yeah, and th- that doesn't work. <laughs> one of one of the things I think that we come to as educators is that we understand where folks are coming from. Yeah, and so we always come back to this idea that we need to meet people where they're at. Sounds like your coach did that for you. Sounds like your grandma did that for you. Uh, our concern always is to meet uh, folks where they're at and have a parental uh, guidance and understanding. I'm doing a presentation in Minneapolis in a couple of days on Friday, and one of the uh, ideas that the folks there wanted me to address was the idea of how do we disciple our students? How do we leave a legacy in our students? And my basic bottom line to this equation is always the same, and that's withness. You have to be with people. So if you're going to help people uh, succeed in life, uh, from a Christian vantage point, that means discipleship and mentorship, inculcating biblical concepts and themes within their lives uh, as teachers. And that's our job, really, from a, a Christian vantage point, and certainly something that I'm going to stress and emphasize uh, with those folks in Minneapolis. But beyond that, all of us have had, in one way or another, some kind of parental engagement, folks who have stepped up to us, whether they be our, our biological parents or folks who are mentors or disciples, uh, in, di- disciplers in some other way. Before we go to this next break, gentlemen, um, the issue of education. If you were to say today, where does this come from, from an educational point of view, how do you see the origin of education? Why is the origin of where you're being taught from so important? Well, um, I think the origin, I mean, you mentioned parental. I mean, I think that's where, I mean, that's not the origin, but, you know, from a, from a realistic perspective, one that we could put our hands on, it's important that we get our education from home. A lot of people... Um, have shared with me in the past that, you know, how we need to put prayer back in the schools, for instance. And I've always been one that said, I don't care about prayer being in the schools. Yep. If you teach kids to pray at home, mm-hmm. they will pray in schools. <laughs> yeah. So who 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 stopped it at home? Because the real teaching begins at home. That's, That's why right. Scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. That means that you have to be the one to be the disciplinarian, the educator, and that type mm-hmm. of thing at home. And if you don't do your job at home, you can't expect the ones in the classroom. I think that's why we have so many challenges in the classroom because there's no education going on at home. Right. Uh, we should just be re- reiterating or expanding in the classroom what we have been taught at home. Mm. That, that's what I really believe. So I believe that origin comes from, from home training. Mm. Clifford, would you agree with that? I mean, g- generally speaking from your comments earlier about parents and the importance of that, um, would you say that we need more parental involvement in education today? Yes, I would. Um, I feel that, as Pastor Weems said, it, it starts in the home, but on a on a deeper level, uh, 
I think that biblical wisdom and the origin of where that education mm-hmm. is coming from mm-hmm. is important to me. Spiritually, it has to make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, carnally, uh, it has to make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and as a child of God, allowing him to impart that wisdom into my spirit makes sense because he is our creator. Mm. He's the father of everything. Mm. Uh, it makes sense to me spiritually and chronically because we we walk by faith, not by sight, mm. but also that sight, all things working together for the good of those who love the Lord, he blesses us with the sight so that we can have common sense to know that he's making spiritual and carnal Mm. work together to Mm -hmm. make sense for our growth and our Mm. faith and the origin of education and wisdom for me the spirituality is is what I look to because when when you have uh, a loving God in your life guiding you Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the plans I have for you to prosper you to give you hope in the future, not to harm you. Mm. Just allow him to work, and and everything will work together. Uh, you you know your education, the common sense, the wisdom. Mm. You know it it all makes sense. Mm. And for me, the the origin of my education is is my heavenly Father. There you go, HB. We uh, need to take a break, man. We're gonna take a break, <clears throat> but but let me do a, a detour, like yeah. to what Al said, because that is the absolute truth. Is um, you know, home should be the basis. That should be the first base. But then we understand too, as we discussed so many times, everybody is not fortunate enough. That's right. To be blessed with that foundation, right. so mm-hmm. we have sometimes those detours, mm-hmm. and on that road in that detour, mm-hmm. um, where is the connectivity to? Uh, your origin yeah mm-hmm. so so if you come from a broken home it can't be the the same dish that you're serving the young uh, child who has the mother the father in a in a scripture filled household it has to be okay where is this child where is this person and where is the origin of that person at the time I'm trying to reach them so that's right I uh, just wanted to put that in as we go to break man this is good yeah absolutely we're going to come back you are at radionext.tv at the cool groove site warp and woof radio every Wednesday from 10 until noon today we're talking about education veterans affairs and specifically Where does that come from? From a Christian vantage point, we believe it comes right out of Scripture. We'll be right RadioNext.tv on the Cool Groove site. We're here. Dr. Mark Echo warping and whooping on the radio today, boy. Got the veterans in the house. Clifford Payne, Al Weems III. Dr. Mark, before we get going, we must remind them this is Education Month that we're sharing at RadioNext.tv. And there will be a town hall forum if you have anything Pertaining to the field of education, we invite you out March the 28th, 6.30 p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. at the Avondale Meadows Wide, 3908 Meadows Drive. Come on out. We're going to have some educational experts in the house, and they are not there to talk to you or at you. They're there to support and answer the questions that you might have mm. pertaining to education in the 21st century right here. And we are back mm. talking veterans in education yeah and the issue of community is huge i mean you just talk about the avondale why i've been down there the last couple of uh, times we've had these events lovely wonderful events where we get to meet folks 
uh, in the community in which they live. And that's really what we want to talk about next when we talk about education is why is education important for any particular community? How would you guys answer that particular question? How is education important for any community? I think it has to have reachability uh, to to everyone. Everybody has to have like that free access, um, open access. And I think uh, HB and I were talking the other day. I am a big proponent of uh, the charter school option mm. uh, because I think everybody doesn't learn the same way. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of come out of the box and teach people a little differently than maybe that this approach doesn't work with everybody. So you have to have a creative approach. One, I worked at a particular charter school here in Indianapolis. They had an art-infused curriculum. Mm. And I was like, art? And until I saw art in science and I saw art in geography and I mm. saw art in math, it was a way of connecting the dots. That's right. So that kids' minds like, wow, I, I can use art and still understand history. That's right. Because history can be boring. You know, literature can be boring to people who – but if you can connect it with art, mm-hmm. now you, you bring that person's uh, – you awaken that person's mind. Mm-hmm. So connectivity. I think that connectivity yeah. is a thing. And there's the issue of interdisciplinarity. This is something I stress with uh, my students all the time. And uh, honestly, I stress it with high school students as much as I do with – MA and PhD students, and that is you have to see this interconnectivity mm-hmm. between all these subjects so that you can better understand not only what other people are thinking, but the world around you from a different vantage point. Yeah, Clifford, how do you, how do you view this? Uh, why is education so important for any given community? Well, I agree with you, Dr. Echo. Um, you need to understand what's going on around you, and historically, the African-American community Uh, has had barriers to education from the slave days, it being illegal for us to know how to read, Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, separate but equal Jim Crow laws, but the black schools were not equal, just separate. Mm -hmm. So I really think it's important for the African-American community to remember where we came from and, and desire an education as a way up and a way out, as I said earlier. Uh, For example, here in Indianapolis, we have Christmas Addicts High School in the African-American community, uh, which is a staple of education for African-Americans. Back in the day, my grandmother and grandfather graduated from Christmas Addicts. Um, My mother uh, was on the faculty at Christmas Addicts High School. And uh, I think it's really important, especially particularly for the African-American community, because we were denied education. Mm. When, when I think about this, when I hear these kinds of comments, my first the first word that comes to my mind is a word that frankly is overused and maybe misused in some uh, cases, and that's the word privilege. When you guys think about education, do you view education as a privilege and then something to privilege others with in that community? I think historically, as as you know, piggybacking on what Cliff said, it is viewed as a privilege, and uh, oftentimes uh, privilege to the privileged, and um, that generally did not include many of us uh, that look like us. And so, you know, you look at these barriers. There's all these barriers uh, from even the testing perspective. A lot of the testing that's done is not. It's, it, you know, the, the playing field is definitely lopsided mm. because you're asking and expecting somebody who's already been disadvantaged or disenfranchised to understand a test mm-hmm. that they don't have a clue about. You, you know, you haven't had 
uh, preparation. A lot, there's a lot of preparation to a lot of these tests as well. That kind of gives you the combination to unlock a good score. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, a, a black kid is sitting there taking the same test. They've seen, they're looking at words for the first time they've never known. They don't know the origin of words. Even at the school where I'm a PTO president, uh, we have a, a Latin course. And the Latin course you. is really a way to help kids understand the vocabulary yes. on a test if they take Latin. Yes. But who, if nobody explains that to somebody, they have no clue. Uh, that the or the, the etymology, etymology will help you understand you know, how to break down these words. Maybe you don't know anything about. Man, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're waking. Jumped, <laughs> jumped out of his seat over here, man. Cause I'm, no, I mean that is the area. That's his wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I have yeah. learned so much about uh, the, the Latin origin of words and and how they transfer into our our language. That mm. man, if people knew that, it would be mm. uh, uh, it, it would it would open up doors and eyes of so many young people. But Back to what Al is saying, um, Alfred is saying, excuse me, Al. That's cool. But no, what Alfred is saying is so correct. We have to deal, I think, educationally in a a cultural box, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, We cannot expect children who have not been out of their neighborhood. I'm I'm, I'm serious. We have some kids who don't know anything outside of the little mile that they live in. Uh, other than the bus ride to a school that's an hour and a half away. But once they come back home, they're locked in this little two-mile box maybe. And so we cannot expect them to be able to take tests that are dealing on world ventures and take tests that are dealing on uh, uh, historical landmarks all over the globe or dealing in uh, uh, things that might have happened that aren't relevant to them and then have them want to understand it. And we've been talking all day Mm -hmm. about the brain will only respond to things that it knows. Mm. That is not HB mm. talking. This mm. is scientific proof. If you if you want to start talking physics to somebody and they don't know physics, brain is shut off unless you make physics relative to what you're right, talking right, about. Right. I told you, I used to do it in, in the class over at the key program, and everybody had their bicycle. They got in a, a group of rocks and, mm. you know, push down on the pedal, and you make rocks kick up. Yeah. Okay. Now you can introduce physics because yeah. the action of Force meeting that 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 steel pavement mm-hmm. creates force. That's right. Now, if you want to open up the door to force, you got at least some type of lane mm-hmm. to take that information through. But if you start talking physics and the laws of physics, and nobody has a clue of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. brain is going to say no act. Like the old computers used to say You put something in the old computer You say no access, no access (laughs) And that's what the brain does If it's not familiar with what it is you're trying to put in it So I think the educational model Has to be geared toward Who are we talking to, where are they And can we fit this curriculum in much like yeah, art, yeah, yeah, much like football. I mean, you, you yeah. got to you that can pick a subject, right? Pick Any, a subject. Yeah. 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 So let me take it from this point. I mean, all of us sitting at this table, in one way or another, are privileged now because we're educated. Mm-hmm. That is, we have education behind us, and now you know you might have positions of leadership for a radio show, Clifford, and for you suggested you're president of PTO at North Central High at School. North Central High School. Alfred is. Uh, PTO there. So the emphasis now is what are we going to do with the privilege that we have? How are we going to now take that which has been given to us a privilege of education and now transfer that to our communities? Let's talk about that. I, I take a each one reach one each each one reach one approach uh, because I think even I think as I said in the opening for me going into the military it was because I was in a in a household you know I was raised with my by both of my parents. But um, 
my, my parents divorced in my junior year of high school. And so my dreams of going on to college and doing those things and enjoying those that senior year of, of my life was all shattered. Mm. So I could easily just cry over the situation that had occurred to me or figure out a way to make it happen for myself. Mm. So after graduating from high school, I struggled in my senior year. I mean, I'm president of my class, type of thing, but I struggled academically. Mm. I think, I think now looking back on it, I think I may have even not passed one class and went to summer school at the end to make it up mm. because I was just dealing with life's issues. And that's what I think that's what HB was alluding to. Yeah. <clears throat> we can't expect kids who are coming from different situations and scenarios at home right. to be able to perform in a classroom without addressing those basic needs. And so for me, uh, I remember hearing the commercial to be all you can be mm. uh, from the from the army, uh, you know, be all you can be. And, and they mentioned about the GI Bill and the Army College Fund. So my going into the military was not to serve my country. I tell people that up front. It wasn't to serve my country. Mm-hmm. It was a way out. And I saw it as a way out. But once I got once I went in, I said and, and I remember talking to my recruiter when the first I went to my recruiter, he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, let me just tell you this. I want to go in for the least amount of time with the maximum amount of benefits, and I don't want to accept anything less than that. He said, well, who, he said, well, who do you think you are? I said, my name is Alfred Williams III. And, I, and that's exactly what I told him. I, I went to the MEP station about three times and turned down jobs. I'm not, no, this is not the right one. This is not the right one. It's not the right one. Uh, they offered me a chaplain's assistant. <laughs> Had I known now where I would have yeah. ended up, but being raised in church, I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be in church. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to go as far away from church at that point, mm-hmm. especially because my parents divorced at that time. And I was like... Um, I, I decided to become a parachute rigger, and I haven't seen a parachute, you know, so to speak, since I've been out. Hmm. But it was uh, something that God really uh, impressed with my heart why I went that route and why I had to jump out of a plane at night, that type of thing. But I think the barrier to education, the military can be a viable option to a lot of our people. Hmm. And people say, well, I don't want to go fight nobody uh, nobody else's war. Or it depends on the job. Clifford even said that, that he had a nice title. His MOS was a nice title. But it was an easy job. You can go in and and what I what I say is applying the same principle, milking Uncle Sam dry of every benefit that he has. Mm. That's that's the mindset. Mm. So you go in, get a get a get a trade, a skill that will transfer to civilian world. But while you're in there, take these correspondence courses and take these college courses so you can get out when you do finally get out, if you go one tour, you get out. Now you have eight to 12 credit hours, you have a semester under your belt you didn't have to pay for. Mm. Now, like myself, I didn't go in for just a GI Bill. I went in for the Army College Fund, which was a kicker. So my, many of my friends, they wanted a bonus. And that bonus was spent as soon as they got it. But for me, the Army College Fund gave me $22,800 to apply to college. Wow. So what did that mean? When I, got out of high, when I got out of the military and I went to college, the, uh, uh, the government started sending me a check for $688 a month, as long as I was in school full-time. Then it jumped up. I got a, I got a, ball, I got a kicker, 733 a month. Mm. This was toward education. Sure. I, was, I was using my benefits while I was in school. I was able to qualify for benefits and, and financial aid, but I was still getting paid while I was going. Now, had I been smart and wise at that time, then I would have used all that money instead of student loans. I would have just went, went, went that route. 
but it gave me a way out. It gave me an opportunity to be able to go to school without having to worry about how I was going to go to school, without without complaining about that my parents, my, my my family did this. I didn't have no. Stop crying and, and get up and do something. Do something to change your situation, and that has been what has kind of helped me mold me. So I think as a community, that's what we have to do. We have to look at those barriers and say, "Hey, this is a this is a hurdle." But I'm gonna get over this, mm-hmm. and if I can't get over, I'm gonna get under it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go around it. Yeah. But but there, where there's a will, there has to be a way. And there's personal responsibility. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Clifford, how about you? From your vantage point, uh, the necessity of uh, education for any particular community, and how does your privilege now of having had education and been in the military, how are you going to transfer that to others? Well, I agree with uh, Pastor Alfred. Um, each one, reach one, each one, teach one. Uh, as as a uh, host of Voices for Veterans, this privilege is a blessing. Uh, and I am using this show to educate veterans, their families, on opportunities that are available for them through housing, um, education, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I am giving back uh, through Voices for Veterans radio show, mm. you know. So mm. I, I feel uh, blessed to be hosting the show, and and I'm working hard to provide relevant information to our listeners uh, about programs like Veterans Upward Bound. Mm. Uh, IUPUI has, has a fantastic uh programs and projects going on for for veterans and and i try to uh invite various organizations uh to the show to discuss their the opportunities that they have in-house and and the services that they provide to veterans all right uh one of the things that we uh, talk about from a christian vantage point all the time is the answer to the question of why so when we talk about education uh, from a biblical vantage point, one of the things we see over and over and over again in First Testament teaching is when your son asks you the question, how come there's a pile of rocks down by the <laughs> river, Dad? Uh, you are to say. Yeah. So how important is it for us to have an answer to the why questions if, our, if it's our kids, if it's our mentees, our disciples, however, the folks that we're working with, however that looks to us in our particular lives, uh, how do we address the why question? Uh, why should we do these kinds of things from a Christian vantage point? I, I like to say, and I, and I share this with even kids at church, um, don't ever tell me what you can't do. Mm. Um, and, and then, of course, why? <laughs> Number one, I tell him, I said, uh, you are an African-American and you're a Christian. I said, well, where did the Christian come from? Well, African, the last four letters are I-C-A-N. American, the last four letters are I-C-A-N. And the Bible, as a Christian, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> so um, you, you you can. So why? Uh, no matter what's presented, you can, you, can, you can solve. And I think it goes back to just critical thinking. Because I think a lot of times what we do now... I think computers have really are really crippling the minds of our young people because they don't have to think critically anymore. Mm-hmm. Just Google it, mm-hmm. <laughs> ask Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and that becomes that becomes the the basis of their thinking. No, I just got to be able to type this in, and I only have to type it correctly. It's going to correct me if it's in, you know if it's not right. So I think that uh, we've lost that art 
of, of the critical thinking component. And I think that's where uh, we begin to ask the why, because we want to make sure that you can think critically because everything you may not always have a computer. You may not always have your phone in front of you, but but life will present you some challenges at times that you're going to have to learn to think critically. That's one of the reasons why and even with my son, he's 16 uh, and he wanted to understand, OK, why did I why did I switch and put him in a Hebrew class? For his last semester, I said one because it's only written for him. You don't really have to speak it, but you know it will it will give you another credit in the foreign language department. And as colleges are looking at you, they want to see okay, you have even advanced. You you you've gone Spanish in the beginning, Latin, and now a Hebrew class. And you know I want you to understand that hey, you got to be able to think critically. And it's like it's just a challenge that's presented. You know I always wonder myself why why are you making me take a precal. I'm not. I'm never going to use this again. I'm not. But or why are you making me check, take geometry? That's the one thing I, I I didn't like is geometry. But I even had to learn. I said, man, if I'm a shoot pool, geometry is in pool. <laughs> if I'm a bowl and be a good yeah. bowler, geometry is in bowling. I'm, I'm perpendicular angles. in his angles. You know. Yeah. So you know when you start to do that, it's like so it, it's presented to you as a challenge to see if you can cr- think critically to overcome that challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the answer to the why because there's going to be challenges. You're going to be presented with that. The only way you're going to be able to get over it or handle it is to be able to criti- uh, to think critically. Mm. You have any challenges, Clifford? I mean, seriously, man, you mm. you just you just float through life, don't you? Man? <laughs> you, you don't have any problems at all. Oh no, <laughs> you're skating on easy street. <laughs> oh man, yeah. challenges, how do you respond to that? The, the issue of challenges and uh, the the need to think, learn how to think critically. I agree with Pastor Alfred again. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna answer the next question first, <laughs> so I can agree. <laughs> uh, critical thinking is imperative. Just you know, making wise decisions. Uh, uh, as a person with a degree in accounting and a uh, accountant for corp or corporate America. <clears throat> If I didn't have criti- critical thinking skills through education mm-hmm. teaching me uh, how to, especially when you have a profession that requires critical thinking, um, it's just imperative. Uh, I'm trying my best to explain it. It's just so important. I can't get the words together, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you have to have critical thinking skills in life. Period. Mm-hmm. From from a financial perspective, you know, it's very hard out here now economically. Uh, you have to have critical thinking skills to rob Peter and pay Paul. And what I mean <laughs> by that is, <laughs> are you going to buy your medicine or are you going to pay your light bill? Uh-huh. So how are you going to do both mm-hmm. and, and still get your medicine and still keep your lights on? That's critical thinking. Let's take this up one more step and say the beyond critical thinking the necessity of synthetic thinking let's go back to our interdisciplinary idea and say if we're going to learn math but we're an artist and the way into math is through art then maybe the way we ought to think is how do all of these things come together and this sounds vaguely familiar like warp and woof H-B. Can, can i say this uh <laughs> because you know as we sit here and, and you know you work with a lot of people who are in the field of education and they can be A students, A-plus students, and lack the critical thinking skills that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and, and the hardest part, I think, as, uh, 
as as the, the educational process keeps developing and what we have to do to alter it, you know, because a lot of the principles principles that we're using in education are from 1846. A lot of the principles that we're using in edu education, like our the, the year, the school year, and all that, are built almost, you know, what 200 years ago. So if we don't learn how to to take that model, that base, like the Constitution, and we talk about it all the time, you know, we the people wasn't we the people. Mm -hmm. So how do we critically say, okay, we're still the people, but we're a different people, and how do we shape it? That's critical thinking. Sure. Uh, so critical thinking in life is, is the same way, much like Cliff says. You know, we got a lot of geniuses in the middle of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you who have to use critical thinking that way. Right. How do I feed five kids and pay this, this rent? Mm -hmm. right. and, and when they pull it off, it, it, right, <laughs> it would take right. a rocket scientist to figure out how <laughs> she do that or how do you do that? But yes. we have to remember, back to what we've been talking about all day, it, it is what you know from the culture you come from, what you know from what experiences that you've been, you know, either given or forced to, to undertake. And it also means how much are you willing to develop on the skills that you already innately have mm. based on the reality of where you live and what you're doing right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, now, a, it's a complex mix. It is that. And from our perspective, of course, we're anxious for people to think about these things from a Christian vantage point and coming from biblical principles. Uh, maybe somebody out there is uh, dealing with some really tough uh, life issues. And maybe one of the things that they need is they have all kinds of folks in their lives, but they have nobody from the church. And so the two questions I have are, who in the church is going to step up to help folks who have those kinds of needs? And the second question is, going back to Pastor Weems' uh, comments here, how are we going to take personal responsibility as individuals to say, you know what, I realize I have a lack in my life, there's something missing I'm going to have to go back and find out where that might be. And guess what? It might be in the church. Wow, How about storm. that? Yeah. Radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We're going to take one more break and come right back. We are back. Radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. Oh, my word. Let me apologize, there. first of all, no. to my Lord and Savior <laughs> and all those fictitious uh, wish granters. <laughs> That we know fictitiously as exactly yes. S C E B so F T, and we are coming back to talk about the truth. So <laughs> let's talk about the truth, education from a biblical vantage point, and ask this question. This is our last segment, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to talk about this question: How do you see the church as an important participant in education? Well, um, I, I I feel like. As it relates to the church, I think years ago, 60s, 70s, even in the time that I was growing up, uh, the church took a more holistic approach, I believe, toward education because, you know, they they, they had a vested interest in, in young people. Mm. I think that the church, sadly to say, has uh, gotten to be more self-serving and selfish and only concerned about maintaining the business aspect and forgotten about the people mm. uh, recently uh, I, I, like I shared in the beginning I started a church <clears throat> almost three years ago and I think that sometimes what we have to do in leadership is come down from where we are oh my um, I um, got laid it on my heart this year I think it was the beginning of the beginning of the year where we did a fast and then um, 
I literally washed the feet of the membership because I always wanted them. To, that was what God shared on my laid on my heart mm. that He never wanted me to get to be so high and mighty that I didn't come down low, mm. even to wash. I mean, even the babies wash their feet as mm. well. As uncomfortable as it is being on your knees like that, especially if you got a bad knee, mm-hmm. um, it was about humility. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what I what God laid on my heart more recently, I I had a chit chat and chew at my house. With the kids at church, I told the parents, drop them off, leave them. They're good. As long as you pick them back up in two hours. I just want to sit down with them and talk to them just mm. on their level. Mm. So, of course, I had a counter full of candy and cupcakes and brownies and pizza and drink and that type Some of thing. Kale. <laughs> no, I didn't even do that. I didn't, I didn't, there was nothing healthy, nothing healthy about what they had uh, that day. I don't think I brought out any fruit. But they actually... Sat there and, and it was amazing to me as I just I was watching them and observing them in the beginning. Mm. As they all got up, they were playing around, they were doing what they were doing, they were just being kids. And I and I share with them, I just wanted to be able to sit down and talk to you because I wanted you all to know that you can approach me, you can come to me and talk to me. That even as your pastor, I'm not here to be your friend, so to speak, but I'm here because I'm I, I, I care and I'm con- I'm concerned about you and I love you. Mm. And for the, the beginning, I was competing against SpongeBob because I had I, it was like ages from four to seventeen. They were all I said I can't believe y'all sitting here. Y'all just all are engrossed with SpongeBob. So I sat there looking at SpongeBob with them. I think it was about twelve to fourteen kids. I was like, who does that? But I think well, if we're going to show that from an educational perspective that the church has value, I began to challenge them with their grades and to help mm-hmm. them to see that hey. You, you you can you can do this, and there's an expectation even from the church that I'm that type of pastor where if your mother or your grandmother is having trouble with you in school, your pastor probably going to show up. Mm. So I'll go to the schools. I say if you all, y'all having problems, let me know. I, I'll show up at the school. There you go. Uh, I'm self employed. I'm an entrepreneur. I I'll show up at the school on, and 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 deal with the child. At the, I'm gonna deal with them the same loving way I deal with my own. Mm. So I think that from a church perspective, we have to get to the point of coming down. Mm. To a level and, and, and realizing that, hey, we can't let our kids down and we can't be afraid to learn computer technology if we're going to help make the connection with them. Because mm-hmm. right now, they, I, I think I asked them uh, that day, I said, Y'all, you ever heard of the Dewey Decimal System? Mm-hmm. I, I knew I was speaking a foreign language to them. They was yeah. like, what are you talking about? We used to go to the library and right, look at the Dewey right, Decimal right. System and there was numbers and it was, the books were... They they have no clue. Most of them have, don't even see a book anymore. They got an iPad. Mm, right. So you got to make the connection. And and so sometimes we have to challenge ourselves to educate ourselves continually to stay abreast of certain things to know how we can use. When, when some of the members said to me, we, I don't carry cash, Pastor. I want to know, can we have another way so we can give? Like, just go get cash. <laughs> Until I find out, I say, okay, I, I have a cash app now registered under mm-hmm. the church. So for those of you who don't carry cash, and literally lately I've seen more people use that cash app sure. to give. It's like, but again, you, you can't. We can't stay stuck. And if our kids are going to, people don't care what you know, even biblically, until they know that you care about them in right. their homes. Yeah, it's got to be a personal thing. Sure, Clifford, how, for, how about from you, from your perspective, uh, your connection to the church and education? Well, I think that. <clears throat> The church is very, very, very important to educating our young people as well as our adults. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I think that education starts in the home, but also that education can continue if, if you are 
active in the church and under the leaderships such as a Pastor Weems or, or yourself or, or any man of, of God, um, attending Sunday school is, is part of an education, biblical education, uh, Bible study, and just going to church to, to hear a sermon uh, can change your mindset, your your wisdom, your knowledge on, on things of God. So I really think the church is imperative for educating all of us, mm. all of us believers. We need to know what God has for us. We, we need to know he has already paid the price for our sins. We need to know that we have salvation. Um, and we don't need to be ignorant of the gifts of God, and we definitely need to be educated on the wiles of the devil. So I think that the church is is imperative to our our education and our growth spiritually, uh, mentally, physically, all the above. Huh? All the above. <coughs> Looks can, like. Can I just say this real quick, Mark? Um, I think the the church is called the the foundation of what we call the physical church is caught up in the same warp that we're caught up in in education in the same way we're caught up in manufacturing. Um, there there's been a shift in. in this industrial age that we were grew, you know, all of us were raised in the industrial age mm-hmm. in this room right now. Um, so what we learned and what we applied in our learning process was geared towards uh, going to the military, going to post-secondary education, or being prepared to go to a good factory job where you could maintain a middle-style lifestyle, mm-hmm. or middle-class lifestyle. Uh, the church is no different. Um, how we receive the word now, some of the things that we were taught that uh, we didn't question, uh, can be questioned by this younger generation. You know, they're looking for hardcore facts um, more than the faith of, you know, the, the principles of your Christian walk. So we got a lot of dynamics that we're dealing with the, that, as Al said, I don't think that us as an older generation has been willing to move off of our principles mm. that we were born and instilled with, mm. not knowing that those principles now are kind of like fashion. Yeah. One of the things that uh, strikes me about this particular question from my vantage point is when I go to IUPUI and I sit with students, whether it's individually or small groups, young Christian people, uh, my basic bottom line is always the same. Shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. So they bring to me the questions, the issues, the concerns, the problems, the kinds of quotes or statements that they're hearing in their classes and I just listen to what they have to say. And then I respond because they want me to respond to whatever it is that they've just said. Um, I could tell you a couple of things. I, I don't think I could do it on air, actually. But um, I'll tell you off air some of the things that I, I have been called simply because of who I am, not by the students, uh, not by community of students, but they said, this is what we heard this week in class because you look the way that you do, and this is what people think of you. My word, I couldn't believe this. And so we began to unpack what is identity, and how do we view people, and how do we treat people that aren't like us. Mm -hmm. But let me come back to the church for just a second and say this, again to the issue of Comenius. One of the things I saw in church was that we were giving kids Bibles in May when they graduate from high school. You know where I'm going to go. And we say, see ya for four years. And we think somehow that college is some hiatus from the Christian faith. You know, like, y'all take a vacation for four years. And this is the reason why I do what I do, because these young people are so desperate 
to have, first of all, somebody who cares enough about them to show up yeah. and say, hey, what's going on in your classes? I want to answer the questions that you have. But beyond that, to say there are Christian responses to the issues that you hear all around you. And they ask me, well, how would you respond? And then I have the opportunity to interact with those kinds of things mm -hmm. from an intellectual academic point of view. And if I were answering this question, what's the church's responsibility? Quite frankly, the church has done a bad job mm -hmm. of preparing young people intellectually to deal with the kinds of issues that they're facing on the college campuses of our day. Mm. And by intellectually, I mean, what are the assumptions that your professors are coming to class with? What are they assuming about themselves and the lives that they already live? And then how are they front-loading those assumptions in every single class? every single lecture and every single comment they make in classes. This, I think, is one of the, from my vantage point, I'm speaking now as an academician, a Christian academic, I see this as one of the greatest failings of the church, not preparing our young people to think theologically. And, and you yeah. know, uh, another thing, Mark, in this educational piece that uh, I've been blessed to, to be thrust into, uh, these kids today, when we were younger, we were told something and we believed it. Mm -hmm. Because the day did not allow for us to see what was being said right. to us. We just had to trust it and believe it. Today, you have to show. That's right. Instead of talk. These kids don't want to hear what you have to say. Nope. They want to see, That's right. are you this Christian person yep. you say you are? They want to see, are you this person who cares about me by being here right. every day that you say you're going to be here? They, they don't want to hear any talk. Right. Because they've been talked out. And so we have to understand, too, that your best resource is the action that you give versus mm -hmm. the, the language that you speak, I think. Um, and you'll get more buy-in from this generation than ever. <clears throat> well, you were saying this off air, HB, and it's really something that all of us need to hear over and over and over again. If you say to somebody, you're going to show up, then show up, man. Mm -hmm. That's just commitment. bottom line. I mean, well, where did commitment Absolutely. go in 2017? And a lot of people talk a lot about what they're going to do. Right. And never do it. Right. I mean, I, I hear so I hear so much procrastination, man, from this world mm. of let's get together to do something or let's mm. do this or I'm committed to that. And man, people will bail. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Personal responsibility is huge. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, for me, I'm, I'm the I'm the tortoise, man. <laughs> I don't care how long it takes to get there. We're gonna get there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Didn't say how fast we were gonna yeah. get there, but we're going to get there and I'm gonna go do it every day and mm. we're gonna get there no matter if it's a storm in the sky, no matter if it you know, if it's it's late. But we have a lot of people, man, that want instant gratification and as long, as soon as they have to come up against some controversy or adversity in that commitment, mm. I'm gone. Yeah. And our kids are watching. Our, our young people are watching this, which doesn't allow them to build a level of tolerance to say, let me fight through this. Or, right. or a level of commitment to say, you know what, I put myself on on this mission and this road and this task to, to be about what I'm about. And people are watching me. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, kids are watching, grandkids are watching, people you work with are watching. And so you have to, if you don't commit, if you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Because once you commit, now you got to train the people who are looking and following saying, can I get behind this person? Mm -hmm. Can I follow this person? Mm -hmm. If you want to be an effective leader, keep plowing. And this really brings us full circle back to what we started with today, and that's the issue of the storms of life, mm -hmm. the kinds of things that we deal with uh, that really we can't do anything about. We're just going to have to ask ourselves a question, so now what are you going to do now that you've dealt with this? Yeah. Gentlemen, uh, 
so thankful for you guys being on the program today. Thank you, uh, Dr. Thank Mark. You. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. We're grateful for your presence. Again, for your service, thank you. Uh, but more importantly now, as you participate in the community, you do what Titus 3 is do, is, says uh, that we should do, and that is to do good. And we're grateful for that. So thanks again for both of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, thank you very much. Well, you are listening to RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Warp and Woof Radio. We come to you every Wednesday, and we are going to be back again next Wednesday dealing with some important issues you won't want to miss. HB, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you, my brother. It's a blast, my brother. Absolutely. Thank you, fellas, uh, for coming in and contributing to this great topic. And we are exploring the state of education this month. Uh, don't forget, March 28th, Tuesday night, Avondale Meadows YMCA, we will have all this in our dialogue as far as education, not only about the faith-based walk, but what can we do in our educational systems that are public schools, private schools, charter schools, whatever we might look at, and say, how do we best get the best out of our young people? Thank there you, you go. Dr. Mark Eckel. We'll be back next week. Warping with Radio. God is not absent on my campus. This is how one Comenius Institute student sees our work at IUPUI. Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Echo. Multiple studies show that 75% of Christian young people may leave the church altogether after attending public universities. One of the key ingredients to maintaining Christian faith commitment through college is personal, spiritual investment in students. We are committed to spending time with Christian young people. The Comenius Institute, where Christian wisdom and college life meet.